So how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Yeah. Good. I, I mean, eating eating so much food since Christmas, but good. Classic. <laughs> Classic. Doing dry Jan? Well, I did fail on January the 1st, but from now, yes. The <laughs> chocolate, no. Yeah. And uh, how was Christmas? Is family important to you? It was good. It was really good. We went to Vienna really last minute. We literally decided the day before to go to Vienna and spend Christmas Day there. And how was that? Amazing. Have you ever been? I have. I actually went last year. Did you? It was great. Oh, yeah. so pretty. Really good. Great techno scene, by the way. Oh, <laughs> Not... did, you, did you have a sample of it? I didn't because it was Christmas Day. But if techno was playing on Christmas Day, I would be there. And who did you go with? I just went with my mum, my dad, my brother and my cousin, which is lovely. Yeah. Great fun. And your mum, your mum's had quite a big influence on your life, right? She, my she mom, kind of yeah. got you into classical music quite early on. Well, this is the thing. So my mum actually loves house music. She loves Defected. She's got all the Defective albums in her car. But she's not a musician at all in the slightest. She just was one of those mums, you know, that put me into everything growing up. She wanted me to be a part of everything because it's one of those things that she she didn't really have. So she, growing up, I was in dance. I was doing piano lessons, violin lessons, recorder lessons, horse riding. I was that kid that was just put into everything. And I'm so grateful for it because if it wasn't for my mum um, putting me in contact with my piano teacher at eight years old, I would not be where I am today at all, at all. So I remember having my first piano lesson and my fingers weren't big enough to reach all the all the, um, all the the notes. So my piano teacher used to only make me use my right hand and not my left hand. So I couldn't play with keys together for a really long time. And as time went on, my piano teacher was so strict. A lot of my friends were really scared of her because she was, she was scary because she used to make you do the work. So if you didn't practice, she'd be on your case all the time. And I actually take that with me to today because if she wasn't strict on me, I wouldn't have passed my grades. I wouldn't have got to grade seven and I wouldn't be where I am today. So I've always taken her lessons with me of being strict with yourself and practicing. Um... Yeah, so that's how I started. And and how do you think, you know, learning piano from such a young age has influenced you when it comes to music? You know, now you're making electronic music. So, you didn't want to go down in a, a different road? No, so my background with classical is it's quite an insane story. So me and my friend used to walk to Woolworths every day after school. Do you remember Woolworths? I'm I remember sure Woolworths. Everyone listening remembers Woolworths. It was Buying great. The singles from Woolworths. Yes. So we used to walk to Woolworths, get our pick and mix, and everyone would be buying the, do you remember the Now 75 CDs? Or... I remember them. <laughs> but I would be the really cool kid and I'd be buying like Beethoven CDs, Mozart CDs, and I'd be listening to them religiously, honestly religiously. And I should just absolutely love it. And... When I got to the age of 11 or 12, I was playing in piano concerts. And I just knew at that age, I wanted to be a pianist, which is, which is, you'd never think so. And as I got a bit older, um, I went to secondary school and my mum put me in music production lessons because I really wanted to learn how to make music. Um, so in those production lessons, I was making all kinds of music, kind of like dubstepy music, <laughs> rock music, and I can read sheet music like a book. So I've, I've, I've always learned from playing piano. Um, some people can actually uh, play by ear. See, I'm different. I play by reading notes and I read it like a book. 
So more technical. More technical, exactly. And this is why I fell into production and fell in love with it. Um, and I studied it. I went to uni. I went to Paul McCartney's uni and I did music management, which was an incredible uni, absolutely brilliant. And when I reached the age of 18, I started obviously going raving. There weren't many house raves in Liverpool then, but I used to be at the mall. And that's how I really fell in love with it. Really fell in love with dance music. I mean, at school, I was a girl listening to Skrillex while everyone was listening to Coldplay. <laughs> you would never think so, would you? Big up the Skrillex days. Big up Skrillex. Annie's come back, by the way. Absolutely love it. Did you like all spectrums of dubstep, though? Yeah, I was crazy. Like, Borgo, honestly. Did you do, like, Digital Mystics, Marla Koki? Yes. Cryptic Mind. Yes, Cryptic Mind. I just honestly used to love dubstep. Dubstep freak. So I started in I started in dubstep. Did well. you? Yeah, we all do. I was talking about this earlier. Like yeah. I think every UK person gets into rave music through drum and bass and dubstep. Yeah. Or at least they started there. Yeah, they did. And being a female in that time and loving all this music is was unheard of, really. Yeah, it's quite I don't think it is now because, you know, it's wonderful to see more women in electronic music and having the same opportunities that you know, the men have. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just so good to see that. How did you find that in your earlier days being into it? Do you, did you have like, you know, different opinions of you? Or? Well, do you know, my friends are always saying to me at school, I was always a kid that had like the really cool parties, you know, and I remember being sat in my art lessons and we had our iPods. Do you remember, do you remember listening to music off your iPod? And I'd be listening to Skrillex and... I remember my friends saying, Chanel, this is really heavy. Chanel, what are you listening to? This is, and all my my girly mates who are still my best friends now, love you guys. They would just, just be like, Chanel, this is too much for us to be listening to now. And stand by it because I always knew, I always knew I'd be going in this direction. It's weird. Um, it was brilliant. Um, but that's how I really started. And I think my... How I've been, how, how I got noticed, um, pre like recently. I think it's by bringing all these elements together in my production. So I have a lot. I play a lot of deep tech and I make deep tech music, but it's got elements of a bit of dubstep. I bring in some keys sometimes, and I think that is my unique selling point when it comes to make my music now, and especially more in twenty twenty three. You going back a little bit? You said you always knew that you'd be in this space. Can you speak to that a little bit? Like, how did you how do you sort of know that you always would be there? Always be making music like this. Yeah, and especially in electronic um, music. I well, maybe not electronic music. I always knew I'd be making music, and with the influence of uni and friends and the music I was listening to at the time, it's gone more to more towards the music I make now. But. When I, when I guess when I was eight years old to about 12 and I was making music in other ways and playing piano and writing my own sheet music, you should see my sheet music from growing up. Like I have pages and pages and pages of me trying to write my own music and playing it. I, I was obsessed with the idea of making music and making it my own. And like I said, we all read, you know, when you read a book or when you're looking at text on your phone, or when you're reading something on TV or something, you read that and you don't think about it because your brain is automatically absorbing that information. See, this is how I read sheet music. I read it like a book. I can understand it, absorb it. And I think I've brought a lot of those elements into every day. 
um, like walking down the street or my mind is always just thinking creative. And I think of it like notes, notes and shapes and yeah, just absorbing it and just take it on a journey with me. It's brilliant. How do you think that's like impacted the way you made music now? How do I think that's... You know, the difference between someone who doesn't have that, you know, classical experience or the combination of learning piano and everything, learning how to read sheet music, and then someone coming in from another angle of maybe starting off just by ear, working with samples. There's different approaches. And yours how... sounds so very, like, technical when it comes to reading music. Is is an art, is a, is a really difficult skill. Do you think that... Uh, helps you make different kinds of music absolutely I think you know when you're playing any piece of music or you're reading it 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 takes you on a journey from start to middle to end so everything I make and you know even when you write your notes or very technical and the way yeah so many ways to answer that question it had the way it's I always say everyone should learn how to play an instrument and I strongly believe that I know it's a long like takes a long time but it really helps you to understand the journey of a track and it yeah to put it very simply to it yeah <laughs> and what instrument would you recommend a piano 100% piano is one of the most technical but most beautiful instruments going you, and everything you ever need to learn about production it's just a, a piano and yeah I just I'd say piano to everyone. You should, everyone should learn the piano. <laughs> Maybe I should do piano production lessons as well. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know, you said about music having a journey, like start, middle, middle, and end. You know, with dance music, it can be on, off, on, off, break, on, off again. You know, does that have a start, middle, and end in a way? So you mean like the pauses in a track? Yeah, but like not from a technical perspective, but you're saying that every track has a start, middle and end. Every great track, I think. Every great track. Every great track should always have a start, a middle and an end. But with dance music, it can always, especially like DJ music. I mean, I see what you, so you know, you can have your rolling tech house where maybe it's made for just a groove uh, mid set. I mean, I make tracks like that. Maybe it doesn't have a start to middle and end, but it's still taking you in that process of a journey of your mix, right? So yeah. it depends on the purpose of that track you're making. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So if I'm making a track, I mean, yes, I've, I guess I've kind of gone back on myself a bit there. But if you're making, it depends the purpose of your track. So your tracks. I'm talking about your tracks, not other people's tracks. Yeah. Yeah. I've made tracks that... Do you you bring this start, middle and end to everything you do? Um, no. Oh, why not? I don't. Even... (laughs) I don't because I make tracks for a purpose. So, for example, yes, if I'm signing it to a label, I will produce a track start to middle start middle and end I want I want the listener to be engaged with it I want them to feel it I want them to feel the journey of that track and I want them to think oh this would be amazing to sign because there's something about it it's got a purpose if I'm making tracks for myself for my mid for my sets or a mid mix I just I do have tracks where they're just a roller so it'll just be the start and the end pretty much the same with a bit of a journey 
just for the purpose of my mix because it'll, I'll just play it mid-set. But that's also equally as powerful because it still has a purpose. When you say a purpose, like what? The purpose for my mix. So, you know, if I'm playing a peak time set and I just want the crowd... Oh, so you mean a purpose of where it will be experienced? Yeah, sorry. The purpose of where it will be experienced. Interesting. So you actually think about when, like, the moment in the venue of, like, when your track is yeah. best played. Yeah, I really do. So what type of, like, things do you think about? I think about just the crowd probably sometimes doesn't want a huge build up and then a drop they're just in the moment raving so I w I have got music where I'll just be like this is just a constant beat with a nice vocal some nice hats some nice drums and that's the purpose for me that's the purpose it's making the crowd happy engaged and it goes perfectly within my set that's super interesting that you think that far do you, are you the do you think you're the only one or do you talk to other producers that I've never like actually spoken to anyone about this before but you know it is, it is important. Like I said, a, a track should always have a start and middle and then take you on a journey. But really depending on the purpose of the track you're producing, maybe not, you know, maybe it is just a start. And I know people are, some people do say, like producers nowadays, they do say, oh, there's not much to this track. Oh, I'm getting a bit bored listening to it now when we're three minutes in. But it's like, well, like what is the purpose of the track? What is it for? You know? And when that question is answered, maybe that track could be the most beautifully made transition track or just a constant roller in your mix, right? So you actually think like consciously deciding at the start, like what is the purpose of this track? I always do. I always Before you get into the studio. Yeah. Or if I found like a nice vocal with some hats, I will I will think to myself, right, okay, am I do I want this to get signed to a label? Obviously, yes. But also I'm thinking, oh, this will be really cool for this set I'm gonna be playing in two months' time. Maybe I don't. Maybe I just want it to be, I don't know, towards the end of my set when everyone's really on a vibe. I'm not sure how other producers think, but that that's how I think. Yeah, that's really interesting. So, like, where where are you at with your music now? Like, 2023 is January. You know, what? where do you see this journey, not just for your tracks, but for you? So, 2023, this is a good question because... I am one of these girls that always have crazy ideas. I'm always ringing people saying, gosh, you think this is a good idea? Should I do this? Should I do this? And I get really excited in the moment. And I get hot blushes and I'm, I'm always just doing something. I'm like, oh, this is going to be an amazing idea. And the thing with me is I always put it into action. Everything I do, like I want to make this work. And there are so many exciting things I have got planned this month, ready for the end of the year, which I can't really say right now. But in production terms... Like I said, I'm bringing in this year, especially my, my more of my piano, my classical side, which no one's heard. Um, I will be bringing that into my deep tech roots, um, bringing the two together. So that's exciting. And won't always be playing in the UK this year, which is a good sign also. So yeah, and taking off a lot of dream venues this year. And I can't say it now, but stay tuned. <laughs> when you say you're bringing your classical music back this year. Is that something you didn't bring into your music before? No, it wasn't. And Why? I I think I was just, I always had a fear. And I know that sounds silly, but I was a bit nervous too. When you hear music now, you don't, especially the music I play, it, you don't really have a lot of classical elements in it. And I, and I did think to myself, this is actually what I'm good at. And this is what I've always done. So why am I not using that? And why am I not bringing it forward to the table? And why am I not bringing it 
bringing it to my own career. So I'm really bringing um, my piano in, even my technical knowledge, just more how I create my music. Before I kind of used to go into the studio, sit at my desk and just make, I guess, music. Not everyone else is making because, yeah, I don't mean that. I just mean, I don't, I wasn't bringing my own creative ability as much as I could to the table. It was more like, oh, everyone's making this, so I should make this. Whereas now I'm like, actually, I'm going to go around a whole different route and just do, like, make music that I want to make and bring in all my knowledge and just see where that goes. It's exciting. It is, but that's, it is really good to hear that you're bringing that into, into what you're doing. Um, but why were you scared of bringing that in? Like, where was the fear? What was the fear around? There's a lot of imposter syndrome in this industry. I can tell you that. And that's something I really suffer from. And I think that's a lot. I think the majority of artists around suffer from imposter syndrome where you're constantly thinking you're not good enough. There's a lot of egos. There's a lot of this. And, you know, everyone preaches about being kind and nice. And I just don't think that's always the case, personally. Um, it's something that's not talked about enough. Um, especially when you're starting out. And one thing I want to say to everyone starting out is it is a really hard game, but if you continue and you carry on, you will get there, but you have to take criticism and you generally do just have to be nice. I have made so many mistakes in the scene when I first started, you know, saying the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing, but you're bound to do that. We're all so new and everyone is always going to be nice to you. Um, But in the end you have to do things for yourself and just constantly keep grafting, 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 and then you will win. Mm. Is that what I, I will always say? Um, so that is why I was just nervous. I was scared. You, you're, you're putting yourself out there, aren't you? You're literally your own boss. It's not so like you're, you're working a nine to five. You were scared of putting your true self, creative self out there? I think, yeah, I was scared of putting my true self out there, my true creative self. Why? Scared that no one will like it, you know? Imposters didn't scare no one's like it. What will everyone think? So what were you hiding in front of? What version of you was that? What version? Someone a bit scared. Because you're saying that you didn't bring in all of you to your tracks. But this year you feel safe enough to do that. Yeah. All the versions before you leading up to this year or this moment where you are you feel like you can do that. What, what was that version of you and what was the music? Did it have the purpose that you spoke about? Did it have the classical elements or did it not? It did. I think that version of me was starting out, or I've always had production knowledge, so it wasn't that. I think it was just making music like everyone else. Right. And which isn't a bad thing because... Because that felt safer? Felt safer. Yeah, it did, I'll be honest. And... Not that it's a bad thing to make music like everyone else. I I think to stand out and to be you, you need to make music that you like and that is you, right? End of. You need to make music that is you and resembles you. And as I am influencing people around me, I need to be true to myself. I need to make music that that resembles who I am. And what resembles who I am is I'm a classical girl gone into deep tech. So I need to bring that together. And... <laughs> This year, you feel like... This year, 100%. You know, feel like you can bring that side of you out. Yeah. And, you know, life gets in the way, right? You go through a lot of life 
life changes and you know I've been on the scene for five six years now or just in dance music in general and you have a lot of life experiences to go on you know you have relationships you have breakups you have family dramas and that all resembles who you are in the music you make it really does so really thinking about putting all that to a side think about who you are and what music resembles your personality resembles you know your traits and all of that jazz and everything you ever do always comes out in your music at the end of the day it really does so that is what I want 2023 to be about I want it to be about who I am and simple as that yeah I mean it's so interesting that you that you spoke about basically the last five or six years You've been producing for all of that or last three years? I've been producing since I was 16 years yeah. old. Well, in the de- at least in electronic music space. Electronic, you've probably. Been, you've been behind a mask. Yeah. Because well, you were scared about showing your true creative self. I think so. You, yeah, when you put it like that, yeah. 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 It, and also figuring out how to do that. And like I said, in the scene, you are your own boss. You're your own manager. You, everything you do is is your own mind. Well, it should be. So, yeah, I was hiding behind a bit of a mask. Yeah. And and now this year it feels different. It feels like. so different. It feels like I can literally do everything for myself and be who I am. What was the change? Like what in your life changed for you to feel different now? What in my life? A breakup. <laughs> so you had a breakup? I did have a breakup. But a breakup just... Was that recent? Very recent. It was last month. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so now you feel like you can be your true self. I feel like I can. And Uh, I I don't want to blame anyone. But essentially, when when you are in relationships or when you are surrounded by people, without realizing it, you're adapting to everyone else's nature around you, right? So sometimes when you're just on your own, things become much clearer and you think, this is what I want to do for myself. And this is who I am. And I think in December, I kind of sat there and I was like, I need to be, I need to bring classical piano back into my life. You know, I really do. And that's the first thing I thought about. First thing I thought about was I have this huge talent behind me, which I really do that I'm just not using. So with, yeah, you just learn to love yourself, everyone. (laughs) That, you, you know, it's so interesting how, you know, we think that when we look at these producers, when we look at people like yourself and everyone, that they just are just in the studio every day making great music. But you don't fail to appreciate that everyone's going through the throes of life, of similar problems to everyone else, relationships, financial worries, imposter syndrome. This is and a like, huge thing. Those things can really impact actually the music that you make and it's really interesting to hear that for that period of time you're scared about doing the true version of what you think your music should be because you're kind of working through this relationship and how that's been blocking you yeah you know because often they we read these tips like oh you need to do this you need to do that but often the biggest blocks are in your life. Your life. And your life is something you cannot control, especially things, you know, that happen outside of your of your control. So 
there were loads of things I was going through last year. So us girls, like I went through the worst hormonal imbalance in my life. But, you know, Instagram didn't see that. No one saw that because on Instagram, I was posting all my sets that I was playing. Right. And I had the worst hormonal imbalance of my life. I was having breakouts. I didn't want to leave my didn't want to leave my house. I was crying to my mum every day. I felt awful. But like I said, social media didn't see that. So on the outside, it's like Chanel, you're smashing it. You're absolutely killing it recently. I love what you're doing. But inside in bed on my phone, I'm like, am I? But I feel this awful. I feel awful. And I think that's something I am going to also implement into 2023 is be who I really am on Instagram because I do have a following and I want people to really know that life does happen. You know, people go, people, sounds morbid, but people die or you have real life things that affect you. And in our scene, it's not like a nine to five job where you have sick days and you have paid holidays, you know, like if we put in a hundred percent graft every day of what we do. So as soon as you're, as soon as something happens, that graph then like slows down. So, you know, it's so important to stay true to yourself and actually accept that these, these things do happen and that is life. And just because you have to pull yourself away sometimes, it really doesn't mean you're failing. It just means you're it's life and you're just dealing with it. That's something I would say. Yeah, I think, it, I think showing vulnerability is a really powerful step forward. It, yeah. I think it's very difficult for everyone. Uh, me included, I find that difficult. Mm. But I think stepping into it can be really powerful. Yeah. Um, and letting that true, true version of you come through, and then yeah. that being reflected right back in your music, and then all of a sudden, it's like you are even more unique. Your music—it doesn't sound like everyone else anymore. You know, I feel like the guys that really make it through do this from the start. Um, yeah. You know, producers that try and reference tracks. It's quite a popular technique where they take lots of different tracks that are already out and then they use parts of them. And I think there's uh, definitely merit to that and that can be really helpful. There's nothing like just going in and using the rawness of life to allow that to come through the music with what with the skills that you have. It's like a different a different type of music. Like when I hear about people's best tracks that get signed straight away, it's often the tracks they, you know, not put the least amount of effort in, but took the least amount of time or were just like effortless in a way. Because they're not thinking about it, but that's who they really are making that track. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So more of that this year from you. That's what we're expecting. Yes. And I do think we do talk a lot in this industry about, showing more vulnerability, showing our true selves. And, you know, I, I, don't, I, don't see an, I don't see a lot of it. I don't, in regards to, I think people still are scared. You know, I, I'm, I'm a sucker for it. I still get scared posting the truths of, of how I feel. But I forget my job is to influence. That is who I am. I'm influencing people. I want people to hear my music. I want people to relate to my music. I want people to relate to how hard life can be. And to know that, like, you know, you're not the only person out there that's going through that. Everyone's going through something and it's so important to be vulnerable and to show people that, you know. Mm -hmm. So 2023, actually, even from today, I will show that. (laughs) Good. And, you know, talking of career, you know, how do you feel like that's going? You know, where are you at? Where am I at? So this is just production for me at the moment I have I'm sitting on so many tracks I need to finish 
which I keep getting shouted at for, but it's coming. And especially with my new, my new classical side coming in. And when I say classical, I don't mean I'm literally playing classical music. <laughs> I mean elements and my creativity and the way I used to, as a kid growing up, the way I literally used to write my own sheet music. I want to bring all of that just to this year. And career-wise, yeah, so many cool things coming up. I just can't say right now, but I've met so many cool people recently, actually over the years, and especially now. Now is the time. It's just going to kick off. Yeah, because I saw you. You did a gig recently with Hannah Wants. Oh, my gosh. Hannah Wants. She has... She was the woman that got me into house music growing up. Um, not necessarily my sound anymore, but at the time, absolutely loved her. I loved how she was a woman that was just literally rocking the world. And I always said to my friends when I was 16, I was like, I would love to be a DJ and DJ of Hannah once. I remember at school all the time. And they were like, you should do it. And I was, you know, I didn't really know what I wanted to do then. And that moment for me, all my friends came with me and... You know, everyone was there because they just knew how much I loved Hannah once growing up. And my mum came. <laughs> it was incredible. Like taking over Hannah was. I'm still the little girl that was fangirling. But, you know, it's everyone else. Shell DJs everywhere anyway. But to me, loving her. Oh, my God. A special like moment. Fangirl moment there still. Yeah. How did that feel? It felt like everything, everything when people say is, sorry, everything that people say is true. If you manifest something enough, I promise you, you will get it. I stand by it now because it came true for me. I manifested that day growing up. When was I 16? Um, 10 years ago. So came true, guys. So don't give up. So that's, that's been your best gig? Oh, no. Oh, gosh, that's not been my best. That was my best gig, yes, in regards to Hannah Wants, but... I've played so many cool gigs. And Mexico was a really good one when I played for We Are Festival Mexico. That was fun. Loved that last year. Um, Hannah Wants was definitely up there. I can't even tell you now. There's so many gigs I've played. Um, I played for, when was it? Um, Studio 338 in August last summer was fun with Manda Moore, AJ Cristal. That was a really cool night because it went from deep tech to techno and I love both genres. That was fun. You know what? The amount of gigs I've I've played to no one has also been fun. And there's been 150 billion thousands of them. <laughs> They've been fun. I like to play warm-up gigs. And I do like to play gigs to no one, as strange as that sounds. Because you can test out your tracks in them times. Interesting. Because a lot of people don't want to do that. <laughs> mm. No. I mean, maybe not to no one. But warm-ups that I do enjoy. It's really nice to see the crowd go from zero to 100. Yeah. Maybe 80. Yeah. 100. <laughs> and do you, are you someone who's more on the DJ side or production side? I know production is like very important to you, but some people can come at it more loving being a DJ and they do a little bit of production. I I mean, from lit from playing all over London, basically, to even over the country, at first, DJing all the way, um, still DJing, absolutely love it. We'll always love it. Love it, love it, love it, no doubt. But I love productions. I just want now to be playing the music that I've made to everyone. And that is my stage now. That's the stage for me. So DJing with my own music combined, yes, please. That's the goal, isn't it? That's the goal. And I always think it's so important when 
you're playing your sets to still bring in old music. And I think that's one thing we all lack nowadays. People are just so quick to be um, playing all the new stuff, which is amazing and things we've never heard. But, you know, it takes time to make music. It takes time. These producers that are making music all the time. It's so important to bring it back. I'm always bringing old school Dusky back or like, you know. Oh, big up Dusky. You know, just random, like, the people that I love, that these tracks should never die out. No, ever. they should not. Ever. Which Dusky track are you playing? Oh my God, I love Nobody Else. Yes. I love that. I know, it's, I know, I know, I know, I know. Everyone so great. Is, no, it's one of my favorites. Like, and Flow Jam. Flow Jam, yeah. yeah. I mean, depending on where I play, but you know, it's so important to continue to like bring in all these old tracks because time has been met, like taken to produce these and they're such classics. Like, and don't... people appreciate it. Yeah. You know, people really know. And even if you don't know, it's still, you're going to be like hearing it for the yeah. first time when we heard it for the first time, which was... Electric. Don't let old good music die out, you know? Continue to play. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what I think is really important in a set. That's what makes a good set for me. What else makes a good set? Um, A journey. I want to be engaged. Like I said, start, middle, end. I want to be engaged with your music and your set. I want to hear... I want to hear your art. I mean, I, I think it's always really... I, I think it's a good thing when you hear a DJ actually not transition properly or, you know make a little mistake because it's an art, right? And they're mixing live. No DJ or, you know, people shouldn't even be listening to transitions. They should be listening to the art of that set, right? Be giving a two hour set. Like, wow, like make it a wow factor. I think it's so important to, you know, like play a start, play a start to your journey, get people engaged. The middle should be, you know, more upbeat, more, you know, yeah, higher tempos, like weird tracks no one's ever heard of. I love that. Or weird vocals. Or, you know, when I say weird, I mean different, unique. And then take me on an ender and then play, you know, play an old school track. Play a track everyone's going to be like, oh, yes, I remember that from back in the day. You know, that to me is a really good set. Different, unique, engaging. It just ticks all the boxes, isn't it? Yeah, I think For taking you back is always a good Bring in elements of old, bring in elements of new, bring in the the new producers, show them off. But also, don't forget our old, the old bosses. Yeah, true that. True so, that. in two hours, there you go. You've got your whole journey. Yeah. In my eyes, that's just my opinion. Everyone's got different opinions when it comes to mixes. So you're not, you're not full time yet, right? You're still, you're still working. Yeah, I am still working. You're still working. Yeah. So you're nine to fiver. I am a nine to fiver. Nine to fiver. That's all. That's a lot of people, you know. You know, only a small percentage of people are doing this full time. You know, how do you find that? Um, it's a hard one. It's such a hard one with music because it's like I said, it's one of those things. If you're not putting one hundred percent of your time in of your day, you're not going to be getting one hundred percent back. And we all need to work. We all need money, right? And it's it's one of those things where and I know a lot of people say, if you want something that much, just like give up everything, do your music. And I agree to a certain extent if you can afford to do that, but the majority of us can't. So it's like, well, how do you balance the two? And what I do is I get up at six o'clock in the morning, sometimes, not all the time. <laughs> I did, I did last year. And I will set time aside and I'll either use it for my Instagram, my socials, or I put it aside for production. Then when I finish work, I will then spend like another hour or two on production or my socials. So I have like a schedule which I work towards. Yeah, 
I tend to wake up before work because then I've got what I need to get done if I'm a bit tired, but I'm always straight after work in the studio most of the time because otherwise, how am I ever going to make my music? And it is work-life balance. It is. Um, and you can do it. I've done it. You can do it. It's just keep pushing. And having that schedule, do you honour it every day or are there days where you... You don't what music? wake up at six and get and do something. There are days, but I do stick to a very tight plan, which I have done for a year and a half now. That's good discipline. Because I do, I do, I do know I'm going to have these days where I can't put a hundred percent into my music. So I do have days where I do slack, so I won't feel as bad because I've then spent more time on that other day to do what I need to do. I just know if I don't stick to it, then game over for me it's about discipline you need discipline if you want something that bad you will get there and you will do it that's very true do you think though that in a way it's harder now to do something like this full-time with the amount of people trying to do it yes I do I think social media can be is used in a lot of different ways now and I'm so for TikToks and Reels I got discovered on Reel and I loved Reels because I could play the piano and everyone knew I played the piano so for me I was using it in a way where my talent was really appreciated I think it's a really handy tool for yeah to get yourself out there it really is I also do feel sorry for maybe people that generally can't use like marketing really as a tool and they don't really know how to use Instagram but in the end, I really do believe that your talent will shine through no matter how much clout you have, no matter how many followers you have. I think your talent will always shine through and it will always make you unique. It might take you a bit longer to get there, but it will get there. Um, I guess there is a lot of competition on the scene and that I think there always will be. It's music. But um, if you keep going... Fingers crossed, <laughs> you'll get there. Yeah, I think, I think, um, well, I would like to speak to your point about shining a light on talent because you're right. If circumstances are not in your favor, maybe you're not so good at Instagram. Maybe, yeah. you, you know, you live somewhere where you're not close to the gigs or the DJs or the right networking opportunities or you can't afford to go. You know, that's why we started Trackstack ultimately so we could help you get found no matter where you are in the game um, and it be just about the talent um, and I think that's really important because if you can afford to kind of promote yourself and put money into it you can definitely go up the scale and sometimes that cre creates like a false sense of the the raw talent you know if like because if you can you know you can afford for your tracks to be ghost produced or you know you get you get help with your tracks because you can afford to or you can be at london you can go to ibiza you know all these things are expensive to this be in is london to be, is expensive to be in amsterdam berlin yeah. all these places where the where the sort of mecca is happening is, is expensive um and so it pushes it makes it really hard for a lot of people younger producers um and people who live abroad and who just can't get access um and i think it's really important to to do what you were saying, which is to focus on the talent, focus on being your true self in the music 
and always remember that that will be the central part of how you go from A to B. And then the Instagram stuff can come through later. Well, I had a crisis last year. I won't go into it, but where I made my track, I didn't have my studio or anything. And I made a track just using my headphones and my laptop in my bedroom, right? And it was one of the worst points of my life. I remember thinking this was last February, 2021 or March. And I just thought, I made this track and I was like, at the time, I absolutely loved it and I really believed in it. I didn't really have much marketing or whatever. I had an, like my Instagram page was going a bit, but at that point of my career, I wasn't really sure where it was going. And I thought, I'm just going to send this to a load of labels. And it got signed to Hiostro. So, you know, my point is, it doesn't matter where you are or Honestly, as cliche as it sounds, it doesn't matter where you are and how you're going to get there. But if you really believe in what you're doing, you will get there. And it might take you a bit longer. It might not take you longer. You might be relying on Instagram, TikTok, blah, blah, blah. But generally, if you're sending your tracks to the right people and, you know, they sound fitting to the right labels and you really, really believe in that and you believe in the artist and you believe in where you're playing, you will get there. Believe in yourself. And believe in yourself, which is what I'm working on in 2023. <laughs> like, what does that mean, though, to you? Believe in yourself. Because it's such a... Bro- like, you hear that all the time, right? you got to believe yeah. in yourself. you got to manifest. you got to be in the vortex. You've you got really to need to sit down. Like, what does that mean for you? What that means to me and what I've learned is, is that you are always going to be influenced by other people wherever you are in life, right? Your family, your friends, your workplace... who you're interacting with every day, you are always going to be influenced. So believing in yourself really does mean taking a step away from the world and everyone and literally locking yourself in a room and just really like thinking about where you want to be in your life, whether that's music or something completely different. But really, even if you have to write it down, like what is it I want to achieve in this world and what is my purpose? And it's really believing and thinking and knowing you can do whatever it takes to get where you need to be to do that. That for me is what believing in yourself means. Having empathy and just really in yourself and knowing that wherever it goes and wherever it takes, like you will get there. Loving yourself. Believing in yourself, loving in yourself, yeah. Self-love. Self-love. Yeah, I think that's really nice. Really important. Yeah. Really important. And, um, you know, you talk about having this schedule that you stick to where you get up at seven and then you make six six my bad (laughs) six you get up at six which is very early well done and you carve out time after work too um yes i try to what habits you know what other sort of things are you doing to you know bring this structure into what you're trying to do you know what habits are you working on i really think my habits are, I have a lot of them. I th- I'm sure we all procrastinate. But last year, I was kind of slacking a lot, just life and, you know, relationships and all that jazz. And I thought, you know, when I'm slacking, I'm not getting anywhere. So mine are setting alarms on my phone and to do this by this and having a visual calendar where you write out. A pl- Don't try and stick to the... I know I'm going against myself here, but don't try and stick to the plan too much to the point of stressing out about it and your life just becomes kind of a logistics, you know, kind of corporate thing. Don't do that. 
I think if you just have, if you visual where you want to be at the end of Jan, the end of Feb, the end of March, like it can even be as simple as I just want to produce one track every two months, you know, just start really small. And for me, what I was doing last year was I was creating these huge goals and I just, and when I wasn't achieving them, I was getting really upset with myself. So I think it's so important to just set simple goals that you can achieve a week. So mine at the moment is trying to finish a track a week or two tracks a week because this is what I've really struggled to do. I'll make a track which is 70% done and I'll think, oh, I'll just come back to that next week. And I'd never finished it. So my my ones now are two tracks a week or one track a week and just slowly trying to tick that off and finish them. So finishing tracks is one one habit of yours. I have a load of tracks, load of tracks there. That is just... What, what stops you from finishing? What stops me from finishing is that, I, you know, I don't really get bored of them, but I just, my creative brain just goes on to the next thing. So I hear a vocal, I'll be like, ah, oh, I hear that and I want to use that. But that, that vocal doesn't go over that beat I made yesterday. So I need to start a whole new track. <laughs> this is what I do. And I think, and in my head, I think if I've got all these tracks in my bank, um, that's basically me being a good producer. That's me done. But really, no, it's not at all because I haven't finished any of them. <laughs> so that's my goal for this year is just track, 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 finish them. Finish the tracks. Yeah. Finish the tracks, yeah. That is my goal. One of them. I've got <laughs> a list of goals, but honestly, no. Just try and not overthink your day to day when it comes to music just have very simple but effective goals where when you do reach them you'll feel you know you're going in the right direction as long as you're going in the right direction no matter how long it takes or how slow it takes you and you know you can tick off these goals I think that's the important thing like if you're gonna say oh I want to sign to Hot Creations by Feb but you've never produced before it's just not it's not realistic is it so realistic goals all the way. How would one set a realistic goal? So... Like what is realistic? Like, what if your goal is to get signed by Hot Creation? <sighs> I mean, never say never. You'll probably just have to be stuck in your studio 24 hours a day. Um, it could be something as simple as just posting an Instagram post once a week to show people what you're doing. But at the same time, spend an hour learning production, YouTube videos, courses. There's hundreds of courses out there, you know? I think, you know... Like you said, music is a really expensive hobby to have. So there are so many free tools out there. I mean, I I, I did music production lessons, but I also learned by just watching loads of YouTube videos as well, asking friends. So important. You, you create such nice friendship groups in the music industry, which is what I really love. Everyone's so helpful. Um, and also collaborations when you're starting out was a really good thing to do. If you and your friend love producing and one maybe has more experience collaborate with them you don't even need to meet up in person to do that anymore you can do it on zoom you can do it online you know free both of those things are free yet you're making the most probably the best track ever with no money involved and these are really good they're they're for like the young this is for like someone who came up to you as like hey chanel how do i be a producer hey chanel how do i be a producer yeah that would that that's what you would say right yeah but what about like for you? Like, apart from fin- one of them was finished tracks, finished tracks that you don't finish. Yeah. You know, what else? 
what else is on your play? It can't just be that. You said you have loads of habits or loads of goals. Um, yeah, so my, my brain's going scrambled now. See, this is the life of a creative person. You're asking me one question and it's like five billion answers. So finishing my tracks is one of my goals. I want to play for my dream labels, uh, dream venues this year. You know, I want to take my sound to other countries. I want to go to Ibiza. And I really want to smash it out. Like, I know I will do it. I know I will. So it's just like doing it, right? <laughs> and it's just getting my music crafted to how I love it. Another goal for me is to be an even better DJ. Like that, you can never be perfect to what you do. I need to go on my decks way more than I do. And I still, I do go on them all the time now, but I want to go on them more, you know, I want to be the best at what I can do. So that is another goal of mine this year is to just, you know, make more mixes, even if it's for myself. I used to make mixes all the time over lockdown, loads. And I know... Yeah, lockdown was a big creative outlet. Yeah, and I did live live streams over lockdown, did loads of live streams over lockdown, which is how I really became my brand. But, you know, you can never do too many of these things. You really can't. It's just to be the best at what I can do and implement who I really am, like you said. Yeah, I think that... You know, bring, that's my biggest goal. Bringing in the true self of yours could be quite powerful for you this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, you know, I, I've played played for most brands in London now. I've played Manchester, I've played Liverpool, I've played, you know, Mexico. And for me now, it's really just hitting those goal labels, you know, and goal venues. And Do you from- want to share them? I would love to sign to Kaluki. I'd love to sign to Solid Grooves. I'd love to sign to Libero. Sign to Libero. If any of you guys are listening to me, hello. And <laughs> I'd love, I just, it would be my goal, absolute goal. Hot Creations, you name it. Maybe not Hot Creations yet, but you know, just those those labels that you're like, wow, I did it. I really made it. That would be my my big dream. So you still define getting signed to a label as like an important milestone? in career recognition in a way career recognition progression progression because it's hard to evaluate progression i think like i said going back like if you if you are djing and you are producing it's like well you're doing it right yeah but then we create these levels for ourselves but the levels kind of have no inherent meaning it's not like because you're on that label you're better or worse yeah it's very difficult to sort of measure but we try to measure ourselves we do we do what are we measuring exactly? It's so true. Actually, that's a really interesting point because I guess when you're working in a job, you have an exhibition like a manager and then your exhibition is probably like, I don't know. CEO. CEO, yeah. <laughs> but with DJing and producing, it's you, you're your own boss and your own career and your own job. So it's like, what makes what makes you think you're Kyle Cox level? You know? <laughs> and is, it, th- is that, is that, is, is the difference like, you know, size of crowd? No, see, I just... It's interesting, right? It is so Because when you're DJing, because I've, I've DJed, I used to make music, um, I still do, but when you're DJing in a crowd, like, you know that the crowd is there, but, like, you're in the you're in the mix. Yeah. And it could be anywhere. Yeah. Well, you know, it's good that there's people there. Yeah. Does it... Is the... What I'm trying to get at is that we put... I feel like we there's an enormous amount of pressure put on yourself to get somewhere. And then there's like almost from what I've experienced talking to people 
is a lack of recognizing that you're already doing it. You're already yeah. doing what you wanted to do. And now is the perfect moment to be like, wow, this is amazing. I'm making music. But you know what? I think we all suffer from it. When you get to that one bit, you're like, right, I've done it now. And you're still not really celebrating as much as you should because you're then thinking about the next step. But yeah. really, it's about, wow, you've just hit that target. That If you look about look at where you were last year, like you would, you know, you would have cried at the fact that you just achieved that goal. That's something I suffer from. And it's right what you're saying, which is why I think it's important just to keep your goals small. So my goals are to sign to these labels eventually. And that will just be like the next step for me. I'm not not saying like that's me making it or made it, but it's so interesting with what you're saying because it's like, do these huge DJs out there even think they've reached it, you know? Yeah. I don't, do I don't, they think, actually... I don't think they sit around being like, oh, I'm I'm number one. Yeah. You know, <laughs> no, like, but it's interesting. You know, I don't even think people in, in all regards do it. You know, someone like Elon Musk, I don't think he sits there and he's like, oh my God, I'm the richest man in the world. He, he's working as hard as ever. <laughs> I mean, if I was Elon Musk, I so would be thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I made it, guys. See yeah. you later. Maybe, maybe he has. Yeah. Uh, maybe not after Twitter. <laughs> no, maybe not. That's true. But it's interesting with the DJs and producers, right? Because we say, okay, well, when I get signed to that label and then I'll be, what? Yeah. What? Valuable? Better? Able to be your creative self? True. It's like, what, what, is that like validation all of a sudden? Well, I think this is about validation, isn't it? In this scene, like I said, it's so, it's full of... It's hard to be measured. So the labels are a measuring point. Yeah. Right. And it's so true when you say validation. Like, I'm always going to gigs and I, I'm guilty of this. And, I'm, and I said this to you the other day, I think. You know, when you're going to all these gigs and stuff. And if you're if you're a kid in a crowd just going, everyone's different to you. But if you're a DJ going by the DJ, it's like there's two people that are in competition with each other and there's suddenly like an ego. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. But I hate to say that on here, but it's true. And a lot of people will be agreeing with me. It is. So it's like, What is it a fight over? Slot time? And I, no, no, no. I just think it's... I don't know. Everyone always has an opinion, don't they? So it's like, it's about, yeah, I don't really know. Because it's such a collaborative thing. It should be collaborative. But it what, should be collaborative. But what you're saying is it's kind of not. But what I'm saying is definitely not. Like, why is it not? Like, how does, how do you know that it's not? I think a lot of people preach about being kind and being nice and wanting to help each other. But I can tell you now, there's a short list of people that have said they would help me and haven't. And then, there's a whole load of nice people that have helped me. And it's and it's like, I think because everyone's in the same boat and it should not be the case. I I, I honestly think, I'm just going to talk at you now. I really want to actually talk about this, but I don't know how to word it. About ego. It's a really important topic to me, but I don't know how to word it. Gemini. I think, I think everyone struggles with ego, right? And um, we look for external things to show us that our ego is at a certain point. But actually, it doesn't matter because in the moment is all you have. And if you're making music and you're DJing in front of people, then that is it. Obviously, it can grow with scale, right? It could be bigger. It could be wider. The record can be listened more. And I think, obviously, that's that's a very concrete, obvious difference between progression of like, okay, I'm headlining this venue festival. I'm signing to this label and this is how many people will stream it. We have these metrics that kind of show us um, validation. Yeah. But at what point does that get in the way of 
the just the enjoyment of your life doing it. Ego. Because you're constantly chasing the next thing. Well, I'm not talking about ego in, in myself, but I there's been times, and I'll tell you now, where I have stood in my shower crying my eyes out just because I think someone hates me and they'll never book me for no reason. Or you'll go to a gig and you'll stand behind a DJ and you'll just say hi and you'll walk away. But in your head, you're like, that person hates me. And that sounds completely ridiculous, but I know so many people go through it because I speak to them about it, you know? And, and what do they say? And they'll be like, oh, no, I really feel you on that, blah, blah. No one hates you, blah, blah. And it's like, and it, that that's like your imposter syndrome talking. It's a whole other thing talking to you. It's like, does that person hate me because of this? And I hear it all the time. Oh, I don't really like her because, you know, she she slept with so-and-so to get there. Or I don't really like him because he's done that. And I'm And I'm thinking... Where are you talking about the music there? You're not talking about the music. You're talking about someone's personality and what they've done. But you're not talking to me about their art. You're not talking to me about their craft, you know? And it's like, you're judging these people. And this is what I think the scene's changing a lot in is because artists are not getting booked for their music anymore. They're getting booked for other reasons or because they know someone or who knows someone or this and that. And I'm thinking, but that's where our industry is losing its, its integrity because it should be about the music. Unless someone's killed someone, yeah, no, don't book them because they'd be in jail. But, you know, I'm not really hearing much talk about someone's music, but I'm just hearing a rumour that she slept with him and that's why their track got her track got signed and that's why we're not going to book her. You know? Very interesting. Do you hear more and about And I hear it all the time. Like so on... I always think this is why I have a bit of, you know, I 100% make all my own music. I mean, <laughs> kind of obvious from what I've been speaking about today. You know, I've been producing since I was 16, no doubt about it. But I'm going to these gigs and I'm thinking, is he judging me because he thinks that I haven't made my track? When really I shouldn't be thinking that. I should be thinking I'm here just to say hello. And do you think that's because of what? What reason? Just things I've heard of other people. You know, I'm sure it, people talk about that like me, I'm, you know. But that's where your imposter syndrome comes in. And that's where you're, you know, that's why I've stood crying to myself in the shower thinking I'm not good enough. And things like that, because there is talk of that in the industry all the time, you know, of how people have got to where they are. So, yeah. That's super interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I feel, I feel like... Um... There is a level of toxicity in the way that you can get access to opportunity that exists in all creative industries. And that exists in all industries, I'm pretty sure. I don't think it's been uncovered as much in music, but I'm no. sure it's ripe. Um, but I think having the integrity that you have as well in the position you're in is really important and should be an, a martyr and inspiration really for other, especially female producers and DJs. I completely agree. I, com I completely agree. And, you know, there's been loads of times where promoters haven't paid me and things like that and people are saying you need to go and message him and tell him to pay you and I'm I'm one of these people that I'm just I can't be bothered for the drama so I just walk away and you know it's things like that where it shouldn't happen and I know I'm, I know I'm talking about um ego in another way this is also ego in another way where people are in these powerful positions where they can do that to people you know especially young producers where it's like oh come and play for my event and I'll give you two drinks. <laughs> it's just like, well, where's... 
I'm not sure really what I'm trying to say here, but where's the value? Where's the value? Yeah, like where's the value? And you know, everyone's preaching about how we're all musicians, we're in this together, blah blah blah. And then it's kind of there's there's all these other toxic sides of the scene where I don't agree with. Hmm. I just don't. I think if you're gonna book someone to play for you, or you know, in, yeah, I don't. Big issue. Have you have you had many toxic experiences? Um. Oh yes. <laughs> I've had a lot of toxic experiences in the scene. Um, yeah, <laughs> I have. Okay. Okay. You don't want to share them. Maybe not. No. Yeah. Okay. I understand. <laughs> well, I feel like that is um, definitely a good way to to sort of just lead on to the last question. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, what advice would you give to a young upcoming producer? I would honestly. The one advice, this is so cliche and you hear it all the time, but is don't give up. It's finding your network of people like you on the scene. It's trusting them. It's honestly going backwards and forwards, really, really thinking of your sound and where you want to be on the scene and just pushing, pushing, pushing. Don't really think about how you're going to get there, but, you know, post your tracks, post your... Get a social media account, you know, follow whoever, but don't overthink it. Really don't overthink it. You're here to DJ to make people happy and that's literally all there is to it. But don't lose your integrity. Always be kind because there will be a lot of people that preach kindness and will not be kind to you. But one thing you have to do is always take yourself back and just know that if you know you're meant to be here, you'll, you'll, you'll get there. Trust me. There's been so many times probably more than others where I've just stood there crying because I'm like, I can't do it. But if you keep telling yourself you can't do it, that just means you can do it. You can. That's the one advice I'd say. Second advice is be really good at what you do. So be on those decks for hours and hours and hours. Watch loads of production videos if that's what you want to do. Um, Yeah, just be really good at what you do. And believe in yourself. The best one. The best one. Believe in yourself. Take that from me. (laughs) I think that's good. I think we can wrap it up there. It's been a real pleasure talking to you today, Chanel. Yeah, and you can. Thank you for having me on Track Stack. No worries.